Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. It has been a while, it's been about two weeks since I've uh, made an episode, uh, and I don't really have a good excuse for it, I just have uh, kind of like lost track almost, but I- I'm not fading away from doing this or anything. I'm hopefully going to get back on track. I have quick Christmas break coming up, uh, so I'm getting excited for that, and plenty of podcasts should be coming out. I just, I don't know what happened in those two weeks. I just didn't get around to doing it, but I should be back on track from here on out. And in today's episode, first, I'll start off by taking a call. We have a new caller. I want to answer that, and then I want to discuss some MLB free agency. I feel like it's been forever since we've talked about the MLB, so I want to touch up on that and some then some bigger NFL takeaways, maybe not every single game from week um, 15, but some of the more bigger takeaways from that. And I want to kind of get to the Josh Gordon suspension, Spygate 2.0, uh, and stuff like that that's kind of been other buzzing topics around the NFL. Hey, Aiden, I was wondering what your top five MVP candidates are so far into the NBA season. Love the podcast. Keep it up. All right, thank you for the call, Cole. Uh, if you guys want to call in, uh, go to the Anchor mobile app, uh, Type, download the Anchor mobile app, type in After the Buzzer Sports Talk in the search bar, and uh, send me a voice message. If you don't want to download the app or you can't go on Safari or Google or whatever you have, type in After the Buzzer Sports Talk by Aiden Mayer on Anchor. You should be able to send a voice message that way. But Anchor, the Anchor mobile app is easier. But again, thank you for the call, Cole. Uh, so my top five MVP candidates, I actually went ahead and I kind of had a list, I you know, ideal like in my head, an idea for a list, but this is kind of, I did a little research on it too. So at number one, I'm going to put Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, this man's just a beast. I think I had him going uh, and for the MVP this season. I had him winning. Uh, he won last year, obviously. He's been phenomenal this year. I know the Bucs just lost last night, but he dropped 48 points. He's been a beast. He's averaging over 31 points per game. Uh, he's been a menace on defense as usual. He's averaging nearly 13 rebounds per game. Uh, his three-point shot's increasing. He's shooting 56% from the field. And the Bucs are dominating the East. So, Giannis, for me, he's he's the front runner. And even before Luka Doncic's injury. And Luka Doncic, for me, comes in at number two, actually. Um, but don't get me wrong. Like, um, Luka Doncic's had a great season. I, I still have him at number two for now. I do think that injury will uh, really affect him. Why is my thing? My thing's just freezing up. Like, I don't know if the Wi-Fi is really bad at the moment or... Uh, I don't know. Uh, why is it freezing? I, I think you can still hear me, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's still, uh, this thing's still going, but Jesus, this is so laggy. Uh, but Luka Doncic comes in at number two for me. I do think the ankle injury will eventually set him back in the MVP race, and it could honestly, at the end of the year, uh, be a big factor in it. You know, the fact that he's going to miss so many, you know, so much time. He's going to miss a couple weeks at least here. So, but I mean, this guy's been doing great. The Mavericks have come out of nowhere and played like probably a top five to seven NBA team in the league. He's averaging just shy of 30 points per game on 48% from the field. And this is a guard. I mean, Giannis played, you know, two different play styles there. So uh, his field goal percentage of 48% is almost as as impressive as Giannis's 56%. Uh, Defensively, he's averaging uh, 1.2 steals. We all know he's not a great defender. That's not where he makes his money. But he's done a great job with this Mavericks team. Uh, and I, I just, I, you can't complain with what he's doing. He's second for me. And then I have a tie for third. LeBron and James Harden are a tie in third place for me. I really couldn't decide. James Harden has been lighting it up lately. Uh, he's definitely the best scorer, best scorer in the league, I think, at the moment. And 
The only person I think has an argument with James Harden for best scorer in the league is Kevin Durant, and he is not playing this year. I actually do think Kevin Durant is arguably better scorer than James Harden, uh, but he's not in the league uh, right now because he's hurt. Well, he is in the league, you know what I mean. Uh, but at the end of the day, LeBron's team is a little, a little more success, and I think that actually plays a factor for me as well. The Rockets have had a decent season. They're 18-9, and nine, they're fifth in the West, but the Lakers are 24-3, and three are not only first in the West, but they're the best team in the league right now due to the Bucks' loss. The Bucks won last night. It would be a different story. But the Lakers have done amazing. And my thing with the Lakers, though, is they have not faced a lot of good competition. I think they faced seven or eight teams with a record over 500. So that, you know, that just goes to show they played 27 games. So this team has not had to face a lot of good competition. Last time I checked about a week ago, they had only faced six teams with a record of over 500, and they lost three of those games and only one three. So they're 21 at the, well, that point they were three and three. All their losses have come against teams with a record of over 500. They dominate the bad teams. I want to see them face more, I guess you could say good teams. Uh, it's a tough way to put that, but they did lose the home opener, but they have been on a roll seven in a row for them. Uh, but team success did play a, a factor in this. Uh, LeBron's averaging over 10 assists per game. And I think between him and James Harden, it's just so close. Take your pick. Uh, and then in fifth place, I'm going to have Anthony Davis, uh, LeBron's teammate, who's also played a big factor in their success. He's probably the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year right now. Uh, he's averaging 27 over 27 points per game, 9.3 rebounds, which is significantly, I wouldn't say significantly less, but it's less. He averaged in 2016, 2017, 11.8 rebounds. The next season, 11.1. Last season, 12. Now 9.3. I would like to see him play a bit more of a, a role on the boards for this team uh, because he has dipped. Those numbers have dipped. His assist number slightly dipped, but I mean, last season was career high, so this is the second best, you know, assist numbers, and he's shooting a hair under 50% from the field, uh, around just a little less than his career average. He's fifth in the MVP race for me, though. He's had a great year. Him and LeBron have been incredible, uh, mostly due to his defense. Like, not saying his offense has been bad, but that defense really uh, pushes him in here to the top five. Um and then you can consider players like, for example, Pascal Siakam. Uh, but that's my top five in the MVP race. Again, thank you for the call, Cole. Uh, hopefully you call in another time. I do really appreciate it. So now we are going to get to uh, the MLB free agency. Some of my takeaways from that. So let's get to that. Although not every name has been signed, every big name I'm kind of referring to, guys like Josh Donaldson and Hyun Jin Ryu, Still available. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. I know Ryu just came off a great season, but I still don't know how to pronounce his first name. Um, but anyway, I want to get to some of the bigger signings, like Anthony Rendon, Jarrett Cole. You know, there's still, you know, Madison Bumgarner. Some of these moves, and then a few, maybe the smaller ones, I still find somewhat significant. Uh, but I want to start with uh, Garrett Cole. The Yankees made a very good move. I think Cole got slightly overpaid, but it's nothing bad. The Yankees have, all, it seems like, unlimited cap space. So it's not a big deal that they overpaid a little bit for a guy that could really uh, set them over the edge for a World Series. The Yankees have been contending for the title for years, and they've never been able to get it over these past few seasons. And Cole might be that guy that sets them over the edge. The Yankees' bats have always been good. Over these past years, their hitting was very good. Their bullpen was very good. Their starting pitching was their Achilles heel. Garrett Cole, one of the best pitchers in baseball, is now on your team. 
Luis Severino was their ace last season. Not saying that's a bad thing, but it's not a great thing. Especially when you consider in... It's it's not really a great thing, especially when really you consider in the four guys behind him. And now that you have Garrett Cole, now you have a legitimate ace, a very good number two, and the other three are okay. It, it, you know, it makes things a lot better. And they made that move that puts them as a borderline top-tier World uh, Series contender. I think this puts them borderline top-tier. Uh, I just think before, they could never really show up in the playoffs and, and really get the job done, maybe get past the round or so. Some people do think maybe they were top-tier before this signing. I don't know about that. But, you know... They, they were close. They were, you know, high tier two before this. This probably puts them tier one. This is a big, very significant move. Uh, and then the Anthony Rendon signing, I think, is a great move by the uh, Angels. I really do. I think this is a great move. I think Anthony Rendon seemed like their plan B behind Garrett Cole, but it's still a great move. They still have glaring issues when it comes to pitching, whether that's relieving or starting pitching. It's clear that's a problem, and Cole was their guy that they wanted to go out and get, but they didn't get him. So they went with plan B. That's a very good plan B, plan B, Anthony Rendon. We can sit here and argue maybe we think Rendon is a better play. It's hard to, you know, really t- tell because he's a third baseman slash second baseman and Cole's a pitcher. So it's tough to really uh, tell, you know, who's better. But I do think it's close. So, you know, plan A was Cole, plan B was Rendon, and there's not too much of a difference there with uh, value. I think it was a good move by the Angels. The Angels need to realize they had to make a move for Cole or Rendon. I think they had to get one of those two. Uh, You know, maybe we could argue Strasburg, but, I mean, him to the Nationals. I don't think it seemed like a given because they had to choose between Rendon or Strasburg, but if they got him, if he was available, that wouldn't have been bad either. Um, But the Angels... You know, you've got Mike Trout, he's the best player in baseball, and you haven't done anything with him on your roster. You've got some talent there. You've got him, you've got Shohei Otani, uh, you know, guys like that, and they needed to make a move and do something. Last season, 72-90 and 90 was their record. Fourth place in the Western Division. Their run differential, negative 99. They were not good last season. And they haven't been over these past seven or eight years that Mike Trout has been a Los Angeles Angel. And that's a problem. Go out and get a guy like Rendon. Make your team better. But they still have too big of an issue with the pitching. If I were them, I'd rather have Jared Cole right now than Anthony Rendon. I love Rendon. I think Rendon is a little more reliable than Cole. I I don't know. I think they're both very reliable. I don't know if that was the right word there, but... Yeah, Rendon makes your team better, and he makes your hitting better. They they definitely could improve their hitting, but the glaring issue there is the pitching, and they haven't addressed that. I mean, I look at the top 50 free agents. They've signed – how. I mean, there's still a lot to be signed so far, but they've signed one of them, and that was Rendon. So, I, you know, looking for some – just pitching anybody. Ivan Nova, if they want. Uh, just anybody. You know, he's a kind of a – you know, he's not really anything great, but they just got to look for something. Or maybe they go, ooh, I don't even know. There's really, I mean, they could go for a guy like Rich Hill, who went, you know, he's 39 years old. But he, he did good in the playoffs before. I, I I just don't know. Will Harris, he's 35. I'm just kind of looking at some names. A lot of these guys, veteran pitchers. They can even go over to Ryu or even Dallas Keuchel. Ryu would be a very good option, I think. Um that's a lefty pitcher, too. 
So I don't know what they're going to do. They're not going to sign Josh Donaldson. He's probably probably the biggest name out there left. But um, the Angels, I still still think, should be interested in making a move. And maybe it can't be as big as Ryu. I don't know what their cap space is looking like, but you've already got Trout's ginormous contract, now Rendon. Maybe they're going to have to go for more of a Rich Hill or a um, Dylan Batances. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, but he was on the Yankees last season. But... I don't know, but I still think they need to sign one of these pitchers that are left. Uh, it's just such a glaring issue for this team. Uh, Steven Strasburg signing back with the Nationals. From the Nationals, I think that was a tough decision between Strasburg or Rendon. They went with Strasburg, who was the World Series MVP. Um, Madison Bumgarner going to the Diamondbacks. Uh, I don't think this was a horrible move by the Diamondbacks. Phenomenal move either. That obviously, Zach, this is kind of like Zach Greinke 2.0. That's what I've been calling it over these past few days. It's Zach Greinke 2.0. They won 85 games last season, but they failed to make the playoffs. Zach Greinke didn't work out. Madison Bumgarner's kind of that, uh, again, Greinke 2.0. Bumgarner's a guy who should win them a few more games this season. So it's always tough to tell in baseball. I could definitely see the Diamondbacks regressing from their 85-win season last season. But you got a guy like Madison Bumgarner in here, that is going to help your not only your rotation, but your team. And if this team doesn't have that awkward regression that happens to some teams, and they kind of stay around that 85-win level plus Madison Bumgarner, they could get into the playoffs. Last season, the Milwaukee Brewers went in with 89 wins. So they're only a few games short last season. And the Dodgers dominated that division. Uh, and, and not saying there aren't teams that are kind of hot-ish on their tails. Like the Cubs won 84 games. They're only one game behind. In their division, the Giants won 77. So teams like that, I mean, I'm not saying they had a phenomenal season, but they were good. They were kind of right there. So maybe this move uh, tips them over the top. Uh, not saying it's a phenomenal move, but I, I don't think it was a bad one either. Um... Then he had the D.D. Gregorius signing uh, with the Phillies. I like this signing for the Phillies. I really do. Uh, Gene Segura, it looks like they're looking for a replacement for him, uh, and rightfully so at shortstop. And I think D.D. Gregorius fills in that role well. I think he fits well with that team. They're uh, cleaning up that infield. They had a disappointing season last season, the Phillies did. The, I mean, they're in a very tough division. I'd uh, argue that the National League East, uh, that's the toughest division in baseball. I'd argue the Phillies won 81 games last season. They had a uh, winning percentage of 500 in one of, if not the toughest division in baseball. Uh, and I think that goes to show you, I mean, yeah, they had a negative 20 run differential, but I, I think the Phillies had a disappointing season last season, but weren't terrible. So you go out and get a guy like a glorious and maybe, you know, helps your odds a little bit at least. They signed him for a one year's 12 mil. I think that's a decent contract for a guy like Gregorius. I think that's actually a very good contract for a guy like Gregorius. So kind of a rental. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but I think it's going to help them clean up that infield. I know he's not the best hitter. He's more just average, but he's a very good fielder. And I think that's going to help them out. And I think the Phillies, they needed to make a move like this. I don't think they had to go out and get a top-tier free agent. They just got a guy like that in Bryce Harper last season. But get a guy like Gregorius. And maybe they go out and try to make one more move and really clean up this roster. Uh, but I think a lot of it does, uh, at the end of the day, rests on how well is Bryce Harper going to bounce back from last season. Uh, you know, Didi Gregorius is nice and all. But at the end of the day, I think the rest of the team, you know, unless they play lights out, which they didn't last season, it's 
and, you know, can Bryce Harper really pick things up and you know, play up to par at least? Like, he really was disappointing last season. Uh, but I know there's some more things. I'm probably going to get to uh, more uh, of these signings. I'm not going to get to every single one. I want to get to more of the bigger ones. And I'll probably touch up on some more of them when we get some more signings uh, in here. But that's uh, what I'm going to touch up on on the MLB free agency so far. So now I want to get to some of my bigger NFL takeaways. Uh, so let's get to that. All right, so I think there's a good amount we can take away from Week 15. Uh, I want to get to some of my bigger takeaways, not from every single game, but I want to get to more of the important games and take a quick peek at the standings. And I also want to talk about Spygate 2.0 with the New England Patriots and Josh Gordon's indefinite suspension. First, we'll start uh, with some of these takeaways that I want to get to. Um, First of all, I guess I can start with uh, Monday Night Football, since it was the most uh, recent thing we saw. Uh, Drew Brees and the Saints just lit up the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are out of the playoff race, sad to say. Uh, Colts are my second favorite team. Uh, But the Saints lit them up. I watched three quarters of this game, first three quarters, and Michael Thomas is an absolute beast. It doesn't matter who is on him. That guy catches every single pass. He dropped one okay, okay, against the Falcons uh, a few weeks ago. But Drew Brees looked unstoppable last night. He completed all but one pass last night. Or two. He's 26 for 27 or 26 for 28. Something crazy like that. And he had 20 straight completions at one point. Or 22. And he broke the touch all-time touchdown record. He's getting a lot of buzz, and rightfully so. I mean, that's that's, that's a big night right there, and he was great. Uh, the Saints look very good, and they just picked up Janoris Jenkins, who did not play last night, obviously. He just got there, but that's going to be a big pickup for them because I think outside of Mar- – Marshall Lattimore is a great number one corner, but they've always kind of lacked that number two. Like, Eli Apple seen some team time there, but he hasn't really done that good. Janoris Jenkins, good corner right there. That makes the Saints team even better. They're such a good, deep team. The defense is not getting enough credit. They looked very, very good. Uh, I'll talk about the Patriots. I know they uh, blew the Bengals out 34-13, but it was 10-13 to at half. They were winning 13-10 to at the half. And the Bengals really did win that first half. And it looked a little scary, like, how they played. And even though they definitely picked up the pace in the second half, the Patriots, I'm not really that much more confident in the Patriots. Yeah, they put up 34 points on the Bengals. Not all that was from the offense. The defense had multiple turnovers, including a pick six by Stephon Gilmore. And the offense still looked dysfunctional. It did. Uh, Tom Brady was still missing some throws. And I know Julian Edelman was banged up at all. But still, this is the Bengals. And I feel like they still did not look that good. And I, I do think they looked a little better, at least. But then again, they're facing the Bengals. The only part I do feel a little better about, the reason I do feel a little better is because at the end of the day, they did look better than they have in past weeks. But really, Nikhil Harry, I mean, the way he's getting involved. And this will kind of uh, get tie into the Josh Gordon situation. And you'll see why uh, when I get to that in a minute. But um, the Patriots, I mean, this is just a team that this offense, it is what it is at this point. Uh, there's not going to be much more of a turnaround. Philip Dorsett and Jacoby Myers have been non-factors. And, and Nikhil Harry's getting in there, which is good. And I feel like he's kind of playing that role of Josh Gordon now. And it's glad I'm glad to see him in. They said they want to get him in more. He got two reverses. He got a couple of catches. And it seems like him and Brady's connection is starting to grow. And 
his hands look better too because every catch he had kind of up from this week looked like he either dropped it or he juggled it and uh, he made some good catches. It's closing that one that was called back because of a holding call, but he made a great catch downfield and then it was called back. But I mean, he looked better and that's mostly the thing that I was more most confident in was the Nikhil Harry-Tom Brady connection. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I'm not really that much more confident in the uh, Patriots uh, as I was before this game. Uh, I guess the next thing, oh, Will Greer will be the new starter. I'm all for it. I said the same thing with Drew Locke. I was all for Drew Locke starting, and he's done a very good job so far. I wasn't great this past week, but not even that. Just, uh, like, Will Greer, like, they drafted this kid in the third round. I love him because he was uh, playing the pro-style offense, and they had him, uh, you know, in the two-minute drill a lot, and he can run his own plays. And, and, you know, he doesn't, you know, he can make multiple reads. And I love that type of stuff. And he was picked in the third round. They've been starting undrafted quarterback Kyle Allen. He did well for a little bit, but he's really struggled lately. Cam Newton's been hurt. It is time for Will Greer. I said that about a week ago. And then Kyle Allen went out, did not do well against the Seahawks. Now it is definitely time for Will Greer. And I'm going to be excited to see what he can do over these next two weeks. Uh, keep an eye out on that. Uh, what seems like a small storyline, I think it actually could be something somewhat significant. Not not too significant, kind of like a Drew Locke-esque type thing. Um, the Eagles, 37-27 win over the Redskins. Do I feel that much better about them? No. They kept themselves in the race, luckily. Um, then you look at the um, playoff race right now, and not the playoff race, the NFC East race. The Cowboys and the Eagles are both 7-7. Seven and seven. But the Cowboys own the tiebreaker because they beat the Eagles uh, back in week, what was it, around like week seven, week six. I, I can't tell you a specific date. But this um, Sunday at 425, week 16, these two teams square off. Whoever wins this game kind of basically wins the division. If the Cowboys win this game, they clinch the division. They are 8-7, and seven and they uh, own the tiebreaker. So if the Cowboys win this week against the Eagles, they lock up the division, stop the curse of if you win the year before, you don't win because that's a trend in the NFC East. If you win the one year, the NFC East one year over this past like century, uh, there's a new winner every single year. So that's why I kind of picked the Eagles to win. But the Eagles win all of a sudden. They're 8-7. and seven, The Cowboys are 7-8. and eight. But if they lose the next week and the Cowboys win, basically if the Cowboys win this week, they lock up the division. If the Eagles win, there's a very good chance they're going to win the division. This is a lot riding. And no no one, you know, it at this point, you know, whoever comes in second place in this division is not getting a wild card spot. This division has been treacherous. Uh, but they did not look very good against that uh, Redskins team, I'll tell you that much. Uh, next one, I want to get to – let's see, let's see. I'm gonna, I, I just want to get to more of the report. Cowboys destroy the Rams 44-21. to A lot of those uh, Rams points came in garbage time. Uh, we all know that. We all saw it. And, geez, they killed the Rams. And I think this was important for the Cowboys because – if they lost this game, they are now 6-8, and eight, and they lose the lead of the division. So this was big, and not only that, but you beat a real team. The Rams have struggled this year, and they've had some bad games, but they're still a good team. They are, they have eight wins. They went to this game, what, 8-5? Eight and, eight and, yeah, 8-5? and five? Not a bad record at all, and a very tough division, too, with the uh, 
49ers and Seahawks. Not saying the Cardinals are tough, but for a fourth place team, they're not that bad. And, uh, so the Rams, they just killed the Rams. They looked good. Uh, I definitely gained confidence in the Cowboys after this win, but I want to see if this success, if they sustain, if they sustain this success. This is one good win, but. That's really their first good win of the season, if that makes any sense. I mean, this is really their first real win. Uh, the Falcons beat the 49ers. I know this doesn't seem like a huge thing, although it was a big upset. I'm mostly saying this because I don't want to brag. I did pick the Falcons to win this week. I just got feeling, you know, I love the Falcons for some reason. But I just, I had that feeling. And I'm not kidding either. Like, I'm not kidding. Uh, I actually did. For the 49ers, just a fluke week. I'm not going to hold um too much you know, crap, I guess, against them. They just won that miracle in New Orleans. A bit of a hangover week, I guess you could say. But this loss is going to affect them in some way. Yes, they did clinch a playoff berth, but right now the Seahawks are still ahead of them in the division. They're first place in the NFC. So the 49ers could easily, they played like a team that deserves a bye, but right now they're not even a top four seed because the Seahawks are taking control of the division. So that almost... You know that could affect their seeding in in a bad negative way, and they might be on the road for the whole uh, playoffs. And that's really a team that deserves to be home throughout most to maybe even all of it. Uh, but they might be on the road for most of this, and this loss right here could affect them. But overall, I just think it was a fluke of a week. I'm not uh, sitting here saying, "Oh, well, a 49." Yeah, I you know I think this was just a fluke of a week. Uh, if they do it next week, maybe we'll start talking. But uh, those are some of my bigger takeaways from the games. Now I want to get to some of this Josh Gordon and the Spygate stuff. First, I'll start with Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon suspended indefinitely for drugs. Uh, once again, this is about the seventh or eighth time he's been suspended. Um, and one of these times, it's he's just going to get kicked out of the league. We all know Roger loves Josh Gordon. He he loves the potential he brings and the talent he brings to an organization. He gives him multiple chances. Roger Goodell should have known by the third time, the fourth time even, that this guy, it just it is what it is. And he's he's just going to keep abusing this. And he's gotten way too many chances. It's like the cat with nine lives. Um, but Roger Goodell just keeps bringing him back. I wonder if this is going to be the last time. Uh, but a lot of people gave the Patriots crap when they cut him. Sorry for all the uh, muffling. Uh, but they gave him a lot of crap, the Patriots, when they cut Josh Gordon. And, you know, they said, oh, look at your receiving court so bad. They said he's starting to miss uh, some of these meetings and he was being late. So the Patriots deserve a lot of credit for this. They saw this coming. And, yeah, we could argue they could have held on to him for maybe a week more. But Nikhil Harry was coming back. So not only was it the Patriots read it well, they started to realize, all right, this guy's on the downfall of his, you know, his behavior's on the downfall. It's time to let him go. They probably said something where, Josh, once your behavior goes on the downfall, we are cutting you. And then they realized, oh, perfect timing. Nikhil Harry's coming back. Harry has filled the role of Josh Gordon very well in these past couple of weeks. He has. Uh, you know, Josh Gordon, when he was here, he played this season, he played six games, started them all, uh, had 36 targets, 20 catches for 287 yards and a touchdown. Uh, now I'll go. I I didn't have this ready. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna look up Nikhil Harry's stats, um, and see they're probably something similar. They may even be I don't know about better, but we'll have to. Uh, I'll have to look into it. Let me see if I can find it. I to, sorry. Uh, all right. 
pop it up here, but uh, from what I've seen, he's filled in the role of uh, Josh Gordon very well, so not only did they see that, you know, his behavior is falling, now's the time to get rid of him, we see that suspension, we sense that suspension coming, but Nikhil Harry's coming back from his injury, we think he could fill in that role very well. Uh, Nikhil Harry, here it is, uh, he has played so far five games, one more, one less than Josh Gordon, and he's only started three. If you remember, really, Josh Gordon played, you know, every game that he was here, he, he, you know, he didn't miss a week or two due to injury, but he played six games, and in every game, he played some sort of role. Uh, Nikhil Harry really has it. Those first two games, he didn't start, and he didn't really play a role. Ever since the Cowboys game, in the Cowboys game, you know, he only got a few snaps. Against the Chiefs, he got one or two. Um, so, the Patriots really incorporated him this week, but he has seven catches on 14 targets, 55 yards, and two touchdowns. More touchdowns than Josh Gordon had. And yeah, it's clear when you look at the stats, Josh Gordon has been better, but it's tough to really tell. Nikhil Harry's played less games, and even if we look at a game-to-game basis, Josh Gordon's stats are probably better outside of touchdowns, but Josh Gordon played a role. Nikhil Harry in pretty much all these games besides last week really hasn't. And I know we taught a, caught a touchdown against the Cowboys, should have caught one against the Chiefs, but outside of those catches really hasn't done much so I'm not saying Nikhil Harry you know he's been great and he's totally filled in that role but he's starting to mold into it and I give the Patriots credit you know in hindsight looking back they made the right move but now we look at Spygate 2.0 for the Patriots this is just an embarrassing look why are we cheating against the Cincinnati Bengals why are we cheating in general right you've had Spygate you've had Deflategate now you're doing Spygate 2.0 Oh my, against the Cincinnati Bengals. I was not for cheating against the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, the Colts was dumb because back then I wasn't as smart, nowhere close to that as I was now, but I used, I always loved the Colts, but back then we used to kill the Colts every single time we played them. We used to kill them. I know CAC Championship, the Colts were a good team, but they never could match up to us. They were way too soft. And their O-line was bad. We just exploit them. And we killed them in that game, too. But you had to deflate the footballs to beat them. No, you don't. This one's even worse. Why are we cheating against the Cincinnati Bengals? I know we've lost two games. Uh, we lost last week. I know we've lost a few games in a row here. I get that. But it's the Cincinnati Bengals. I'd argue the Miami Dolphins don't have to cheat against the Cincinnati Bengals. No one should be cheating in the first place. But if you're going to cheat, cheat when we face the Kansas City Chiefs. Or save that for the playoffs. At least if you're going to cheat. I'm a Patriots fan. I was I was like, we're getting this desperate to cheat against them. And maybe we weren't, okay? When you saw that video, you know, whether it's real or not, if it's real, which I'm going to assume it is, when you look at it, there's nothing they can see. You just see the Bengals' sideline. I can't see any plays. Maybe they zoom into it. Maybe, you know, I do think it is a little suspicious. I do think there could be some sort of fine coming their way. Maybe they suspend Bill Belichick. Something happens. You know, maybe I do think there was a purpose for them uh, filming the sideline. Maybe it wasn't for a bad thing. Maybe he didn't realize that. Maybe that's all true, but it is suspicious what they're doing, and you have a shaky pass. If I were Roger Goodell, with all bias aside because I am a Patriots fan, I put the hammer down. I say you've already cheated twice in these past in this past twenty years or so. We are not letting you get away with it again. Some people, uh, you know, if this were the Arizona Cardinals cheating or some other franchise outside the Patriots or maybe the Cowboys that wasn't super hated, people wouldn't really pay as much attention to this. Or 
But especially the Patriots, not only because they're very good, but they've cheated before. Not saying the Cowboys have. I didn't mean it like that. I just said they're a hated franchise. So the Patriots, they should face some sort of fine or something a little more hefty than you'd think. Because Roger Goodell's got to lay down the law of the land, and he's got to show other NFL teams that he's got to show the fans, I am not letting the Patriots get away this time. I'm going to lay down the hand. Because it's just like the Josh Gordon thing. They clearly won't learn. They've cheated once. They've cheated twice. Clearly what you're doing isn't working. Okay? It's like, um... Oh, this is just a metaphor to throw out there. Whether this is good or not, you'll get the point. A kid steals cookies from a cookie jar. You give him a five-minute timeout. Okay? Then he goes back the next day and does it again. You give him this time maybe like a seven-minute timeout. He does it again. It's clearly not working. You get the point? This time, maybe you, know, you got him bump it up to like 20. I or, or I don't know. Maybe take something away from his. Uh, maybe his favorite toy. I don't know. I, I, that was just a metaphor off the top of my head. If you found that cringy, I'm sorry. But you get what I'm trying to get at. I think the hefty fine, the hefty suspension is going to have to come down. Uh, not something hefty like eight games or, you know, uh $200,000 or something like that, or 500000 no. But something a little heftier than you do, per se, to a team that hasn't cheated before, has only cheated once in the past 20, 30 years, with something more minor. This is the third time the Patriots have, and whether it's true or not, I'm not 100% uh, going to believe that they were cheating, but I do think there, there was some suspicion there, and I do think the NFL does need to do a little more investigating on it, but it's going to be interesting to see the outcome of that. So thank you guys for listening. Um, go follow my Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces. Again, sorry for not being uh, uploading for these past two weeks. I'm just trying to get back on track. Uh, also, Christmas is coming up. Uh, Christmas Eve will be in a week from now. Christmas is in eight days. Uh, I should, I hope I will be getting a better setup. Right now, I keep my Chromebook or my where I, you know, film this whole thing. I don't use a mic and I put it on my lap. That's why I kind of like right now I'm shaking it. I don't know if you heard that muffle or not. I'm getting like a desk. I'm getting a mic. So I'll, so it won't be shaking. I'll get mic for better quality. So that's going to be, it's going to be better, better quality. And I'm trying to just improve. Uh, every day go share this podcast uh with your friends or whatnot we got to get those listens up and also again i'll say it again go call in on the anchor mobile app uh go download the app uh type in after the sports talk in the search bar send in that those voice messages just like my boy cole did earlier at the beginning of this video you don't want to miss out ask those questions send them in i am open to any sports related questions so thank you guys for listening and i hope to see you guys next time 